My name is Jack Miller. I'm the former president of Pacific College of Health and Science. I'm currently the chairman of the board of the college. I retired from the presidency in November of 2020 in order to have more time to serve. So you'll understand what a treat it is to have today's guest on this podcast. Um, by now, I'm sure most of you are aware of the amazing life and story of Bethany Hamilton. In 2003, at the age of 13, she survived a tiger shark attack but lost her left arm. However, one month after the attack, Bethany returned to surfing and within two years had won her first national surfing title. It's an amazing story. I encourage those of you who have not read her autobiography or seen the feature film Soul Surfer to check them out. Um, Bethany was also the subject of a beautifully done 2018 documentary called Bethany Hamilton Unstoppable in which she quite openly and honestly discusses how marriage and motherhood have affected her professional surfing career. It's really well worth seeing. And I have to say personally, one of the things that moved me the most was my brief participation this year in her charitable organization, Beautifully Flawed. Um, Beautifully Flawed is a retreat designed for young women ages 14 to 25, although I did see some guys there who have experienced traumatic limb loss um, this program includes guest speakers, practical health and wellness tips, specifically account for limb loss, uh, postural training, and surf lessons. So last spring in San Diego, it was my privilege to have Pacific College provide acupuncture for the participants. And I also stopped by the beach to watch the surfing lessons. And we were fortunate to have a pretty large swell that week, but I didn't see it slow anyone down at the event. It was really amazing, super inspiring. Um, I think there are videos and photos of the event on Pacific's Instagram page, and I'm sure on Bethany's site, so you should check them out. Bethany, it's really a pleasure to have you join us today. I have to say, I'm really tempted to just spend the next hour talking surfing with you, um, but interest of our uh, general audience, we could probably broaden the conversation a bit, um, but we may occasionally digress. Um, as I said in my intro, millions of people are familiar with your life story um, through the books, movies, and, and your public speaking. Let's start with the concept of uh, being unstoppable which I think is a really important concept, maybe the most important concept in the, in the field of peak performance. Um, and while you experience a truly traumatic stop, uh, stopping something that happens many, many times every day in every challenging endeavor. Um, so, you know, should I do one more push up or stop, right? Um, so maybe you could uh, tell us a little bit about the principles of your unstoppable program and, you know, what advice you give to people who really want to be unstoppable in, in achieving their goals. Yeah, no, it's been such a wild journey my whole life, um, just living life differently than most and yeah pursuing my passions relentlessly and overcoming the challenges along the way and adapting. And all of that to me is living unstoppable. And being unstoppable yeah. isn't about being perfect and having it together at every minute of every day, but it's being willing yeah. to get back on your board when you fall off. And, right. you yeah. know, I think there's so many challenges coming our way in life. And to think that we're not going to have challenges setting ourselves up for, 
for a surprise because we're all going to face challenges. And so being willing to recognize that and be ready for that and setting ourselves up to succeed and push through some of the pain points. And so, yeah, it's been really fun kind of thinking through like, what are the things that have helped me continually get back on my board? And a lot of that is just simply like adapting, but honing in on my mindset, my health and nutrition, my um, community, um, being able to forgive and let go, being, um, you know, checking in with where I place my identity and all these different things that, you know, when we're facing challenge, maybe some areas are being more attacked than others. And so being willing to, or being able to recognize what it is that we need in that moment, whether it's our community or our health and nutrition or right. our faith in God, for, for me, my faith in God has been right. really key. And so there's so many different like avenues in life that can help us push through major challenges and keep going <laughs> yeah i mean i can't help but think like when you were especially as adolescent at 13 you know when you realized you suffered a traumatic loss and that that was going to definitely affect your what you thought were your goals right do you remember a time at that point where you just you know what were you what did you think did you go okay this is it it's over or was there ever a time where you thought that and then you know, if so, you know, how did you, you know, get to the next place where you could become unstoppable? Yeah, well, I remember waking up in the hospital and having this like dawning moment of looking down and realizing my arm is gone and feeling yeah. like my whole future <clears throat> is gone. And even though I was 13 and yeah, you could think like, oh, 13 year old, she has big dreams, but like, who knows if she would have ever actually reached her dreams. But I yeah. had huge aspirations to be yeah. the best female surfer in the world. And I had a lot of, um, you know, I had the talent, the support and the drive to do that. Mm -hmm. And so losing my arm was just kind of like, the little thing in the bigger picture like I felt like I had lost surfing my dreams right. my goals I didn't know what my future held I felt like life was upside down right. and I felt just kind of maybe a bit of fear of you know losing all that and sure. fear of sharks and just all these different things but all it took was just getting a little hint of hope I had a friend by the name of Mike Coots come into the hospital and visit me and within a week of losing my arm I already had my sights set on trying surfing I didn't know if I'd be able uh -huh. to do it but I was determined to get out there and try and yeah. so less than a month later as soon as I, my wound had healed up enough to get into the ocean I got out there and charged and I popped <laughs> up on my third wave wrote it all the way to the beach and that was just the start of things and then little did I know where I would go with surfing yeah. I, I wasn't like in that moment thinking I'm going to be the best female surfer in the world anyway I was just like I'm so stoked to be out yeah, here living my again. dream living my passion and yeah. overcoming what felt like major odds against me what was it that Mike said or did I mean what gave you what did he do that gave you that hope 
Yeah, well, Mike, he had lost his leg to a shark uh, several years before myself, and he actually learned how to surf with one leg. So he was a bodyboarder beforehand, and then he learned how to surf. And so he had gone surfing the morning before visiting me, and he practiced paddling around with one arm and like experimented with popping up. And he's Uh like, hey, I think you can do it. I think it's totally possible. And just knowing that he was surfing with one leg was huge. And so, Uh you know, in my small little community, I hadn't seen, I don't know if I had ever seen anyone besides Mike with limb difference. So that was like super foreign to me. Sure. And I never even like thought of that sort of scenario. And so all of a sudden I went into like adapting mindset and realizing that okay I'm gonna have to do things differently it doesn't mean I can't do it but we're gonna have to make some tweaks and adjustments so once I got on my board it was just the art of adapting and I already understood reading the ocean and how to catch waves which is half of the game and then now it was just relearning how to do things with one arm so I would say the first year was very like trial and error and learning a lot of falling a lot of frustration a lot of discouragement but like moments of highs and peaks and um, successes and just getting my stoke back and um, the cool thing about the ocean is it wasn't going to be nicer on me than it was on my peers. So I wasn't being babied. I wasn't being like treated differently. I'm in the ocean and it's a level playing field. And I think that taught me a lot of resiliency. And so I love how physical translates to the mental. And for me, being in the ocean was, um, you know, so much of it's physical, but then a lot of it is mental. Oh, and sometimes yeah. it feels like the ocean is just against you and trying to send you back to the beach and you just have to push through and endure the muscle pain, the mental pain, the frustration in hopes of getting like another great wave. And then when you get that great wave, you're like, okay, I can endure again because that yeah. was awesome. So I think like there's just such a love inside of me for that challenge and that Mm. level playing field and just trying to be my personal best. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess that drive and determination got me even further than I dreamed that I would. And um, still to this day as a mom of three, I'm still (laughs) trying to push it in the ocean (laughs) and serve my best and have a blast out there. Yeah. I think you made a really important point about personal best, right? Because like not everyone can expect to be a world champion. Yeah, whatever, you know, whether they're a weekend warrior, you know, I'm never going to make the world tour, right? (laughs) But I have my own goals. And that's the thing to set and to try to achieve. Surfing is kind of a a really perfect metaphor, kind of for life in general, and that you really do have to face fear. And And it's created, I mean, it's often very real. There's a reason to really be afraid, right? Um, but so often also we're afraid of things that is aren't reasonable, right? Um, you know, they say that public speaking is one of the things that people are most afraid of, but you're not going to drown if you're public speaking. You may feel like it. And I guess that's kind of part of the experience, you know, of fear. You feel like you're drowning or you feel like you're in danger when you may not be. Um, And so, you know, 
I mean, you've surfed JAWS, right? For people in our audience who don't know about JAWS or Piaian on the North Shore of Maui, it's a place where waves are bigger than you can imagine. <laughs> we don't have to even say how big, just like think how big they are and then double it. Um, so, you know, how do you, you had to be afraid or you had to experience fear when you one of your goals was to surf JAWS. I mean, how did you work through that uh, with your training and, and your mindset? How did you get to that place where you go, I can do this? Yeah, no, I definitely had to work through a lot of fears and continually I'm working through fears. I would say, especially my 13 year old self, um, yeah. I have fears that I wouldn't be able to do it. I wouldn't be able to surf and pop up on my board, but I was willing to try and I was willing to try again and even when things were really hard, continually keep trying. And I think we have to recognize our fears and not let them hold us back from trying. Just being willing to put ourselves out there and almost expect yourself to fall and um, not have amazing huh. success every yeah. time. Yeah. You know, Good the point. best athletes in the world have yeah. a lot of failures along sure. the way. And so just sure. knowing that it's not gonna always, you're not always gonna rock it and be perfect at it. Right. And yeah. even this last uh, couple of months, I've had some of the scariest surfs of my life where the fear yeah. was deep and it yeah. was, yeah, at one point I was like, I don't know if I wanna do this, but then I ended up catching one of my best waves ever, like right where, after that feeling. So- Where was that? That was at Pipeline on the North Shore uh, of Oahu. Sure. And that is one of the heaviest waves in the world. And even the best surfers in the world, like Kelly Slater says, he's really scared of that wave. Yeah. And so um, it's kind of like a weird place or environment yeah. to overcome your fears because it sure. genuinely is really scary. It's not something you're just making up in your head. But um yeah. You know, it's also exhilarating and exciting yeah. and incredible. And um, so for me, I try to recognize the fear and not like ignore it, but also not let it overtake me and just uh, inhibit me. And sometimes I think too, like doing something with a friend, like a lot of, yeah. a lot of my childhood fears were conquered with a buddy and right. even as an adult sometimes it's just nice to have a friend to like kind of conquer your fears together and sure. um I think when the fears come around though like maybe not ignoring them but knowing that they're there but still being willing to try and overcome them and work hard at them and set yourself up for success like I think some of my scariest times in the ocean I can take a lot of um, confidence in my preparation for those moments. So I know that I can hold my breath really well. I know mm -hmm. that I'm strong. I know that I have good intuition in the ocean. And so if things go wrong, I'm gonna um, be able to adapt in that moment and figure out my way out right. of that situation. Yeah. And then if it's really big too, I have a safety team nearby to you know, if the worst case scenario happens, they'll come right. and get me. So, so yeah, it's so just, you're in that situation. I was going go ahead. I think just preparing for those moments and not being willing to try and not like letting them build up in our head greater than they are. Right. So you're there. It's really big, and you're saying to yourself, 
you recognize I'm afraid, right? And so do you do you have like things you say to yourself or do you kind of go through like, I've worked out hard, I can hold my breath a long time. I mean, are there things that you say or do you just go, come on, get with it or? <laughs> I think it's a little bit of the come on, get with it. <laughs> um, go for it. And it's also like, I mean, Surfing Pipeline was an opportunity that I had never received in that capacity. It was huge pipeline and nobody mm -hmm. out. And I had this little window of time to surf it by myself, basically. Wow. How did you and arrange so that? Even though I was scared, <laughs> it was like something I dreamed of for years. Yeah. And I wasn't going to let that fear hold me back mm -hmm. from this incredible moment that I've been waiting for, for like oh. what felt like a decade. I bet. And so I, I just kind of like pulled up the bootstraps and um, decided to at least paddle out uh -huh. and put myself in position. Doesn't mean I had to go, but oh, yeah. I was willing to just get out there. But then once I was there, I was like, oh, yeah, I do want this. <laughs> I think that's an important principle in overcoming fear and, and getting to our goals is sort of the incrementalism, right? I'm going to just paddle out. Right. I'm not committing to going, but I'm going to see how it looks. I'm going to make sure, you know, and then so, you know, don't freak yourself out completely all at once. Right. Yes. Yeah. Wow. How did you, I mean, I got to ask as a surfer, how did you manage to be by yourself at Pipeline? For people who don't know, usually there's like yeah. 75 or 100 guys out there at once. Yeah. So Pipeline's a crazy wave. It's usually has like the best of the best world surfers, yeah. um, minimum like 50 guys. So that's yeah. like half of the challenge. Plus the wave yeah. is incredibly intimidating and yeah. Um, technical so yeah. uh, there was an event called the backdoor shootout and huh. it's uh, a, a event they do every year and Hawaii passed a law that they every event has to have a women's division so this was the first year they ever did a women's division in this event and I got called up last minute to oh, participate wow. and so huh. Like literally the day before the event started, I was on Kauai. I packed up my bag uh -huh. and went to Oahu and it was me and three other girls out there um, uh -huh. just putting our all and going for it. And yeah. it was not easy. I had some wipeouts and I also had some great ones and it was a total adventure and super um, scary, but fun and um, exhilarating and just like, amazing <laughs> really i gotta digress one more time into surf geek so at pipeline is the fear the pounding more than the hold down yeah i or, think pipeline is just yeah. it's both of those probably because <laughs> oh, it's pretty shallow and yeah. you can get held down for a while and yeah. like a lot of guys have like hit the bottom yeah, and sure. so i wore a helmet out there yeah, um, just to protect my head especially because it was really big i don't always surf in a helmet but in certain conditions i think it's yeah. a good idea just because all it takes is one bad wipeout to um yeah. hit the reef and it was yeah. crazy because one of my wipeouts my board actually hit the reef which is crazy because the board's so buoyant. So yeah. for the board to penetrate underwater and slam right. the reef, I had like a chunk of reef in my surfboard. <laughs> so that was pretty gnarly. And um, but I'm glad it was my board and not my body. Yeah, no kidding. Well, Dustin, who a friend come in, we'll talk a little bit more about Dustin soon. 
when he mentioned me, he'd rather serve 20 foot cloud break than pipeline. I went, oh, that means pipeline is, I mean, because for those people who don't know, when you look at pipeline, it, it's it's deceiving. It looks pretty. <laughs> right? It is really beautiful. But yeah. then you see like some of the best men surfers in the world wiping yeah. out, out there, yeah. then you know it's hard. <laughs> Absolutely. So we talked a little bit about, you know, the ability to hold breath a long time. What kind of breath training do you do? Yeah, so I haven't really been putting too much time into my breath holding, actually. But lately, I, um, I've been doing a little exercise out when I'm surfing, like, or when I'm coming in from surfing, a lot of the breaks I surf, it's like a quarter mile or half a mile paddle. paddle out. Yeah. And so when I'm paddling in, I'll just paddle, try to paddle like 20 strokes with holding my holding breath, breath while I'm doing it Yeah. and just try to keep upping that. So it started off with 10 strokes, like full blown paddling as hard as I can and kicking while holding my breath and mm-hmm. then trying to up my stroke number. So a lot of my cross training is multitasking because I have three children and I don't have all the time in the world to do all the things. Well, that's a workout right there for most people. Yeah. So (laughs) I'll like finish my surf with like a power paddle in and holding my breath. And I try to only do that if I have a friend like paddling in somewhere nearby because breath holding can be dangerous in that. Yeah, if you black you out. can pass out. Yeah. So it's usually if I know someone's within the vicinity and like within like, you know, paddling distance to come and grab me. But I wouldn't push it that hard where yeah. I'm going to like actually pass out. I more just push it till I feel my ribs doing the convulsing. So if you right. know anything about breath sure. holding, like you can, your ribs start to kind of um, hyperventilate or something, but then it yeah. can it calms down after a while. So, you know, if you're getting to that point, you're like, okay, well, I probably have another minute or two uh, beyond that. Yeah. Or 10 seconds for human, normal people. <laughs> well, it's all in the mind, right? Yeah, it um, is. Especially, so the, especially if with you the feel your home. ribs doing that, you know, yeah. in actuality, you could go another minute or two. Yeah. The, but the f- usually when we feel that we're like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. The free divers say that, you know, the spleen holds a lot of oxygenated blood and it, when it compresses, it releases that to your system. And so you feel yeah. great, but they learn to recognize that's actually it. <laughs> you yeah. have no more left. So, yeah. So I've done like a breath holding class with a professional free diver a while back and during that window of time, I had my breath breath hold was over four minutes, but that's just mm-hmm. static. So you're just yeah. like laying there holding your right, calm. Right. Yeah. So when I'm surfing, like usually the worst wipeouts are not more than 30 seconds. Yeah. They're more closer to like three to 10 seconds. Yeah. 10 seconds is like a bad hold down. That's long. Yeah. Um, and when you're underwater, it feels like a minute long. I know. So just knowing that like, okay, I know I can hold my breath brings a lot of mental confidence. And then yeah. you can also find your calm in the ocean mm-hmm. underwater when you're being like kind of ragdolled <laughs> and you can be like, okay, well, even though this is a little crazy, I know that I have a strong breath hold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. Especially here in Southern California, a long hold down would be like five seconds. So 10, yeah. 10 would be like, oh, 
this is getting old. <laughs> well, it's like, and if you're being held down under for that long, what the fear becomes that you're going to come up and like, there's another wave. Another wave, right. So usually the wave will let you up with enough time to get a breath or two before the next wave. Yeah. If it's really crazy out there, but yeah, it's just, I think like if it, with anything in life, you can prepare for crazy chaotic moments and right um you know and when it comes to surfing like breath holding and physical fitness and things like that can prepare you just yeah. to be more confident and less fearful oh for sure yeah dustin had mentioned that you should be able to hold your breath about 25 percent of the time that you can from a resting hold like so if you could hold your breath for four minutes that after exertion you should still be able to hold your breath for a minute that's a long time <laughs> yeah that's a really long so yeah, that's like sure. a good goal to kind of get yeah yeah you can kind of know right. your goal yeah. goal points so yeah sometimes I'll just do the like workout paddling and that's like my breath holding training because I definitely don't have like a beautiful morning routine my routine is wake up because the children <laughs> yeah, right. me up and get food in their belly and then like do all the mothering things and eventually right. try to get to the ocean <laughs> yeah oh yeah well, um, it's only another 16, 18 years and you'll be have your time back to yourself. <laughs> no, but I love it. I love my morning yeah. routines. Um, yeah. Morning, some of my favorite time with my children oh, and just great. making them nutritious food and uh -huh. saying good morning and snuggles. Yeah. And they're just such a joy and um, they bring me so much. Um, they're just such a blessing. <laughs> Absolutely. The happiest day of my life was watching my son being born. Um, you were, I mentioned in the introduction, how openly you talked about the, your first child um, during, on the, uh, during the documentary. And I, that was another seemed like a potential stop for you. You know, you were like wondering, well, how am I going to be able to surf as a mother? You weren't expecting to be pregnant. Um, and so, you know, what was going through your mind at that time? And you know, I, I suppose once once you had it, uh, that's Tobias. Yeah, it's Tobias. Then you saw that you could get back in the water and stuff. But I mean, were you very nervous at that time that your again your career would be over? You'd only be a mother at that time. Yeah. So just to give everyone a little bit of context, um, I have a documentary named um, Bethany Hamilton Unstoppable, and it captures my life from childhood to motherhood. And the funny thing is, when I first started to make this documentary, it was meant to be a 10 minute short film of me just like pushing women surfing and like thriving in all the different environments of the ocean, like big waves, small waves, competitive um, barrel riding aerials mm. so very like just a, a a beautiful piece of me just ripping it because I would continually get like oh you're that Bethany girl do you still surf uh, and I was like yes I surf and I'm like <laughs> arguably known as one of the better female surfers in the world and so we kind of just wanted to create a piece to um just share that aspect of my life but then long story short, so much had happened and the film director at the time was like, hey, can I just make a little documentary alongside of the short piece? And I was like, yeah, just do whatever you want. And we had built a lot of trust. So I was like, he's gonna do a great job, whatever we work on. And 
yeah, then a lot had happened and yeah. I had conceived my first son within the first like six months of filming and we had planned to film for a couple of years and it was like, should we even keep doing this documentary? Right. Like I just, I felt like everything was like chaotic because I just, that was not part of the plan. <laughs> yeah, new plan. <laughs> and I was, um, I was anti like birth control. So I was just trying to family plan method. And uh -huh. I do believe in that method when done properly, but I also recognize that we were traveling and tr when you travel, it makes it really hard to predict your cycle oh and be aware of like, the women, um, you know, cycles that are going on. So it was just like, I did pretty good for a year and then I got pregnant. And then um, long story short, um, once I met my little guy, it was the best right. moment of my life sure. and I didn't want it any other way. And my husband was down to just support me in my journey and let me just check off my boxes in in my sport um because he knows that you know yeah. being a professional athlete only lasts so long and there was a lot of things i hadn't accomplished yet and so he's like let's just do this i'll be full daddy mode and support you and we'll just travel together so we just brought little Tobias along for the ride and my little guy had his first birthday in Fiji and literally went around the world a couple of times already. And um, he got to see his mama thrive in some competitive events mm -hmm. and um, just allow me to kind of pursue my passion and ambition in my sport. And so it was really awesome. and. In hindsight, I really always wanted to be a younger mom. Um, I didn't want to have children when I got old, older, um, just for health reasons. Sure. And so even though that wasn't my plan in that moment, I just am so grateful that that's when I had um, my first son. And then now I have three boys. Two, two more, and both my husband and I really wanted a large family. I was in a family of five. He was in a family of six. So... Uh -huh we're doing what we wanted to do. And meanwhile, just me trying to maintain health and my bounce back. And mm -hmm. um, not that it's just a bounce back. It's really challenging. And yeah, um, yeah. yeah, it's been such a cool journey, though. And I feel like motherhood has challenged me more than anything in my journey to just figure out my health and take care of myself sure. so that I can better serve my family. And it's just been a really cool journey of learning and um, growing in different areas and kind of being honest with myself towards my health and not like beating around kind of symptoms or red flags that I was having and trying to problem solve the overall picture. So it's been awesome um, just to like learn along the way and enjoy my family. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we've mentioned Dr. Dustin Dilberg a couple of times. I'm proud to say that Dustin is a graduate of Pacific College and he's we're so proud of him. And he's featured in your movie in the, in the documentary. And how when did you start working with uh, Dustin in a therapeutic relationship? Yeah, Dustin is an amazing human and he Absolutely. just had his first child. So that's yep. been really cool to see him enter into fatherhood because he's such an amazing guy and yeah. he's going to be an incredible dad. 
So I've known him now for about like 12, 15 years. And when I first met him, I was actually working with his dad, who's also in the integrative health sphere. Uh, yeah. And I had first done a live blood mm -hmm. analysis and um, kind of went on a journey to cleanse my blood and my overall body from a lot of toxins, parasites, mm -hmm. um, lack of proper flow in my system. And that was only at 18 years old. So uh -huh. it's pretty incredible to see how dirty my blood was and then work to clean it. And by cleaning your blood, you're cleaning your whole body. So that was uh -huh. really awesome to learn from um, Dustin's dad, Carrie, in that uh -huh. sphere. And then Carrie also does spinal alignment posture therapy. And that's where I met Dustin. And Dustin yeah. started working with me to support me with posture and body alignment and being an athlete with one arm i'm doing so much on the one side and so right. trying to preserve my longevity and keep my spine from twisting too right. much and right. i must say it is the most challenging thing physically i think that i have to do because yeah. It requires a lot of time and dedication, and it's just been really nice to have Dustin's support in that area and um, just learn from him and get bounce ideas off him. And we've done a lot of Egothi training, which mm -hmm. I have a huge respect for that yeah, method. And um, it's crazy some of the moves. Like if I'm having pain, I can go and do a few moves and relieve mm -hmm. a lot of that pain um, yeah. almost instant. <clears throat> And so a lot of what I do is to just um, support my body and keeping it more aligned and posturally healthy. And um, yeah. Dustin has been so key in that. And he has introduced me to things like foundation training mm -hmm. and a few other things I've kind of come across on my own have been like hypopressive breathing to restore my pelvic floor after having children. And I think foundation also helps with that. Uh -huh. And, um, yeah, just kind of, you know, I love that Dustin and also his dad, Carrie Dilberg, um, they both approach health with like, it's so much more than just nutrition and exercise, but it's our environment. It's our body alignment. It's all uh -huh. these different stressors that we face in life uh -huh. and working on all of them. And, really honing in on your health as a whole versus just one little sphere. Talking about sort of the holistic approach to health, um, are you doing supplements or, or are you doing more just a, like a holistic diet, you know, eating, you know, good quality foods or do you take vitamins, minerals and things like that? Yeah. So with diet, um, I've kind of experimented with a few different things and Currently, I'm focused primarily on my diet. So I do, I'm not a, a vegetarian. I eat a lot of like animal products. So grass-fed and finished beefs, um, grass-fed and finished dairy. Um, I get raw dairy from my brother, who's a dairy farmer. So oh, nice. I know my where my milk's coming yeah. from, which is super cool. And I've even met his cows and they're the <laughs> happiest cows on the planet. So... <laughs> Yeah, I eat like a lot of liver and different organ meats. I drink bone broth just about every day. Um, and these things have drastically helped my health improve. 
and I ate a lot of like potatoes and fruit and um, squashes and ate a bit of um, sprouted and sourdough sort of grains and um, just kind of try to balance it all out. And then I do do a little supplements. I do like vitamin K. Um, I take magnesium. Actually, my husband and I made our own like magnesium formula. And so we have like, it's like potassium, magnesium, and a few other things kind of mixed in. And we just add it into a water and sip it um, every night before bed. And one thing that I've been really challenging in the health sphere is just becoming your own problem solver. Like, even if you have all the support in the world, only you can be in tune with your health you are with yourself all day, every day. So are you sleeping well? Um, How's your energy throughout the day? Do you wake up with great energy? Do you find yourself relying on coffee for energy or caffeine? When you start to get more honest with yourself, you're able to then um, act accordingly. So I would say about two years ago, my sleep went out the window. I was super easily agitated. I was just having a lot of crashes throughout the day. And I think ultimately, like it kind of comes back to not having eating enough food. So I probably eat at least 3000 calories a day now. And, um, my, I'm like eating more than I ever have. And I feel way better. And I also maintaining weight a lot easier. So I think, just when you're eating the right types of foods and the right sure. amounts, um, your body will be really happy with your, with you and give you what it needs. And I'm doing a lot. I'm uh, breastfeeding full-time, a lot of mm-hmm. breast milk. I'm working out. I'm surfing. Mm-hmm. I'm chasing children. So I recognize that I need more and I wasn't <laughs> eating enough before. And so it's been a really cool shift to be comfortable with eating a lot of food and nourishing myself so that I have enough energy to like do all the things I want to do and stay Mm -hmm. ambitious and keep pursuing life relentlessly. And I recognize that when I wasn't eating enough, my ambition and energy levels were hugely affecting like I didn't want to go surf necessarily. I would like sometimes feel like low Mm -hmm. motivation. And so when we can kind of check off some of the boxes that we can kind of somewhat control, we're able to like just be more resilient. So it's been nice to kind of just recognize and like just be aware of your body and the signs and not just like put band-aids on them, like drinking coffee when you have low energy, but rather nourishing yourself. And I do drink coffee. I love coffee, but I usually drink it after I've eaten like a good meal. Mm -hmm. And then I don't ever drink it on an empty tummy and I drink it more for just pleasure because it's delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, those are, that's a really I think insightful response to the question um, to be tuned into yourself and also related to your goals, right? If your goals were sedentary, you might have a very different diet, but in your case, both as a breastfeeding mother and someone who's really active athletically, you can't go by just, oh, 
the government statistics show I should be taking, you know, 1800 to 2000 calories. That's just not going to get it done. Right. So when yeah, you hear, yeah. And that was like a challenge. Like I didn't, I don't think I realized how much I was actually eating. And then now that I've eaten, I'm eating more. I'm like, Whoa, my energy is amazing. I'm better, sleeping yeah. good at night and I'm ready yeah. to like charge the day. And I don't feel like restricted. And I also feel like I can do this for the long haul. Like, I don't want to do something that's going to set me up to, to fail. Like mm -hmm. restrictive diets can really, um, come back to like right. bite you in the butt or like you just kind of fizzle out. So finding something that works for you and gives you the energy and fuel and nutrition that you need, but also is something you can do for a long period of time. I think that's a incredibly important point. I mean, you see so many athletes that will either do, you know, really specific supplementation or, you know, extreme diets in terms of protein intake, calorie intake. And that may be fine while they're, you know, competing as a power lifter, let's say, you know, but, you know, they need to be able to adjust that diet back to something that's going to be a little bit more what we might call normal as their activity changes. So, yeah, um, and even with myself, I've noticed I'm able to maintain my muscle mass better. And I mm -hmm. also bounce back faster after big, um, long surf days. Like sure. I had some crazy days competing and I talked to one of my younger friends and she was like, I was so thrashed the next day. I just couldn't do anything. And I remember feeling like I was ready to go surf go. another yeah. long day of surf. And so being yeah. like 32 years old and being able to keep with up with my yeah. younger peers is yeah. pretty cool. That's really cool. And um, I'm also working out a lot less because mm -hmm. I just don't have the time. So mm -hmm. I try to uh, maximize my workouts. And um, But I feel like my nutrition supporting me a little better so that I can maintain my muscle and still get lots of surf time in, which is my priority when it yeah, comes sure. to the physical side. And then doing more like body care and Egoscue sort of things that Dustin has taught me. Right. Um, right. And it's, it's nice to kind of just be at this point where I don't have to worry about things and I can be more confident in my decisions so that keeping up with all the things, my family and surfing and yeah. jumping on a podcast or something <laughs> right. like that and then yeah. throwing travel into the mix sometimes. It's yeah. nice to just feel like I'm supporting myself the way that yeah. I So what are, what are your surf goals? I mean, you've really, I mean, for most people who say you've pretty much done it all, what's, what's next for you? What haven't you done? I mean, both in terms of maybe competition or even places that you might want to surf that you haven't before, whether it's, you know, just really good waves, not necessarily really big waves. I mean, what's next? Yeah. I mean, honestly, just to have fun. I have done so much and have worked so hard and I really just still have the fun factor as my priority in the ocean. Right. Yeah. And so like uh, the last couple of days, I got to surf some big waves here at home and that was really fun. I got some really good ones. And I kind of also like in January, I got last minute call-ups to compete um, in events that I wasn't necessarily like, I didn't have the points to get uh -huh. into them because I'm not focused on competition right. full time. And so mm -hmm. that was really fun. And I felt really ready and I rocked it in some of my games. Right. So I, right. I love competing and I'll probably do a few more events here and there. 
Um, but I don't really have any huge goals and I'm okay with that. I feel good um, with just having fun in the ocean and the world's a little bit chaotic right now. So we'll sure. see how travel works out, but I'll probably travel international at some point, um, maybe Central America, do a little surf trip with the oh, fam. Yeah. Nice. But yeah. I would love to go to Indonesia sure. or somewhere like that um, yeah. and just bring the whole fam for like a month or two down there. Oh, yeah. That yeah. sounds great. <laughs> Either way, I just want to um, kind of be ready for whatever the ocean has to offer. So I continually yeah. stay motivated to take care of myself just so I can feel good in the ocean when the waves are in um, just good form. And yeah. So, and then I also really want to age well. So as I get older, be able to surf with mm -hmm. my boys and sure. maybe even one day if I have grandchildren, surf with them. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my like sights as far as like goals in the long. Oh, that sounds like a great, uh, a great plan. Um, and you've mentioned age a couple of times. And, you know, I just saw YouTube of Michael Ho at 64 killing it at Pipeline. So oh, uh, yeah. maybe, maybe we need to have a seniors tour. <laughs> yeah. And then even like Kelly Slater's 50, yeah, yeah. the yellow, yellow jersey at yeah, Sunset yeah. and he just won Pipeline. So yeah, that's pretty amazing. incredible. I definitely find inspiration in those. Absolutely. I know if I take care of myself, I'll be able to shred hard once I get older. And I actually have a couple of auntie friends that I surf with at home oh, that right. are older and former pros, yeah. and they just inspire right. me too. Absolutely. So. What would peak, what's peak performance mean to you? I think peak performance is feeling good and being able to perform the best you can when the opportunities arise. And I think that to each our own, like you don't have to compare, I don't have to compare myself to like every other surfer, but more just being where I'm at in whatever season I'm in, being ready to charge and just have fun out there. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, and just feeling good about yourself and like having just vibrant health and, mm -hmm. um, just joy to live life. I think so often we can maybe seem like we have it all together, but if we're not just happy, like whatever performance we pull off won't mean much if we're not full of joy and happiness. So yeah. finding our joy in it all. <laughs> uh, amen to that. Yeah, thank you. Um, it was, this was great, Bethany. You look fantastic. You look vibrant and joyful. I, and I was joking with someone the other day. It's like between you, the Dilbergs, and the other Hamiltons having kids over there in Kauai, it's like these beautiful couples having children. It's like creating this new race of superhumans in out of Kauai. No, I definitely <laughs> nerd out on my children's health. And I'm like, mm, they're going to be super healthy, like oh, totally. superhumans. I'm like, yeah. whoever gets to marry these boys are going to be lucky, lucky young women. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks again for doing this. Thank you, yeah. Jack. Yeah, thanks.